This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Some of you might not have expected to see me today. I've got an echo. Let's work that out. Hey, everybody. It was great. The day after the midterms, a lot of races. I have not been decided yet, but guess what? Some have been decided. Yay, yay, yay. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I am Santita Jackson. I want to hear from you today. What did you think of the midterms? We still have yet to get results from Wisconsin and Georgia and Nevada and Arizona. So... These, that's why the Senate for the Democrats hangs in the balance. And it seems that, uh, uh, well, he wants to become the speaker. He's ambitious to become speaker. Uh, Congressman McCarthy declared last night, look, we've got this. But we don't know that yet. Uh, The chances are likely, they're great, that the Republicans uh, have gotten control of the lower house. But we still do not know what has happened in the in the uh, House of in in the Senate. So I want to know what your thoughts are. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think about this red wave that did not happen yesterday? Call me at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT. I want to know what your thoughts are. I really want to know what your thoughts are. Uh, what did you make of what happened last night? And shout out to two of our guests from yesterday, uh, Congresswoman to be Congresswoman-elect Dahlia Ramirez. Um, she is now Congresswoman-elect. Yes, she is the first Latina uh, elected to the U.S. House of Representatives from this part of the country. Making history, everybody. Making history. So proud of her. So excited for her. So excited for her. And then, of course, Jonathan Jackson, uh, my brother. So proud. He. Uh, they both won overwhelmingly. And I want to know what you think about their victories. Indeed, uh, the headline from the Sun-Times is that Jonathan Jackson and Dahlia Ramirez declare victory, bringing new blood to the Illinois congressional delegation. Indeed, the squad, the squad itself, the progressive group in uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives, they all cruised, as the headline said, to victory. So I wonder what your thoughts are. Call me at 773 773- 773-763-WCPT, 773-763-9278. What a joyous night it was, I must tell you. Uh, Not for my family, but for so many people. It was just a wonderful evening, and so many Americans have voted. So many. Did you vote? Um, And did you have an easy time of it? Talk to me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let's get to some of these headlines so we can get some good news. Hey, to my morning stars over here on the Santita Jackson and Friends page and on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Everybody, please go on over, go on over to YouTube. And Miss Robinson, let me see, where did I start? Okay, Shirley from Philadelphia, you all pulled one out with John Fetterman. Matt up there in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Gabrielle, how you doing? Have a blessed day. Andre, Miss Robinson, my sister from another Mr. Carol out there on the left coast. 
and uh, D. Ray, and oh my goodness, and Spencer. It was good seeing you last night, um, Stanley. <laughs> Stanley said, I hope you get to bed. Actually, I have not been to sleep. But um, I wanted to catch, I really wanted to see the commentary about uh, about what happened yesterday and what's still happening because we're still counting the vote. We still might have a runoff in Georgia because you have to get 50% plus one vote. And it does not look like that will happen, but we still do not know. There's still so many outstanding votes. All right, everybody in Chicago, it's going to be a beautiful day. 68 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 65 degrees and thunderstorms. In the NFL, the Suns uh, will be playing, no, excuse me, in the NBA. My goodness, the Suns will be playing the Timberwolves and the Pelicans will be in the NHL. Goodness gracious. Now, you know what this means. I'm tired. In the NFL, the Suns, NBA, the Suns and the Timberwolves and the Pelicans will be playing Chicago. Boom. In the NHL, the Kings shut out the Wild. One to nothing. Mm, mm, mm. So what do you think, everybody? What do you think about what happened yesterday with this um, with this election? What do you think? There were 10 candidates who made history. You had Wes Moore, who, an Army veteran and best-selling author, who became the first elected black governor of Maryland. He's only, he's only the third person in the history of the republic to be elected governor of a state, a black person to be elected governor of a state, Mara Healy first openly gay woman to be elected. She broke two barriers, first female governor of Massachusetts and the nation's first openly lesbian governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former White House press secretary. She was elected Arkansas governor, uh, becoming the first woman to govern the state. And, of course, her father, Mike Mike Huckabee, Reverend Mike Huckabee, was the former governor. Maxwell Frost, a Democratic nominee, became the first Generation Z member in Congress Tuesday night. Indeed, he said that his inspirations have been Elizabeth Warren, Senator Bernie Sanders, and Reverend Jesse Jackson, he said, we made history for Floridians, for Generation Z, and for everyone who believes we deserve a better future. Becca Belend, um, Democrat, became the first woman and the first openly gay person to represent the state of Vermont in Congress, and on and on and on. It has gone. Uh, a lot happened. But the red wave, this wipeout that was supposed to happen, uh, did not. So I want to know what your thoughts are. I want you to call me at 773 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT, and let me know what your thoughts are about what happened yesterday. It was, it's a nail biter. I mean, that's all I can tell you because we still don't know what's happening in Arizona, in Georgia. Uh, we, we don't know what happened. We we don't know what's happening, and that's that's going to be. It's, we might even have a runoff in Georgia, so we might have to wait until December, Pastor Vicki Johnson, to find out exactly what is going on with this election. But look, I, I'm I'm with it. You know, I just as long as people participate, you know, I love it, love it, love it. How are you today, Pastor Vicki Johnson? I am great, and I am excited. Congratulations, victory tastes so good. Well, you know, someone who was nipping at your heels, running around, someone who you had to admonish at when he was a child, as he was running yeah. behind the choir stand with his brother Jesse. Can you can you believe both of them? One has gone to Congress, and another was another, and another is on his way. It's amazing. Yes, it is. But who could expect anything differently? 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's a tribute. You know, uh, I think uh, Mr. Laxalt is running for the U.S. Senate out west. And it's very interesting. They didn't mention Jonathan at all. And I'm not speaking as his sister. I'm speaking, I'm making another point, and I hope you all will hear me. Uh, it's very interesting. We, we want to see the political dynasties go forward, right? Uh, we want to see the business dynasties go forward. But we do not celebrate it when the civil rights community goes forward into another generation. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is quite interesting. And um, <laughs> wow. Yes, it is. I mean, think about but, it, because, you know, they didn't they didn't mention that. And I wasn't waiting for them to, because we were at the South Shore Cultural Center last night. It was full, and people were full. Greg Mathis was there. I think that was Jonathan's first supporter. And he stayed with him from start to finish. And so many people, Ed Ham, of course, you know Mother Ham from, from Fellowship. Oh, yes. And I thought about yes. her last night. She was the chief nurse, everybody, at our church when we grew up. <laughs> And I said, she is smiling down from heaven and fanning. Yes. <laughs> Those of us who <laughs> you know, come on, Mother Ham, you know that. Yes. But it was just, you know, yes. it was a wonderful evening. But it was a wonderful evening for, I think, uh, the civil rights community as we move forward and taking those voices along with the squad and the voices of the people into the People's House, which is the U.S. House of Representatives. So. You don't can't congratulate me. Pat yourself on the back because you had a hand right. in, in helping to rear Jonathan. We all come when he goes. We all go with him, and that's the beauty that's of right. all of this. You know, it's, so it's, it's a community victory. It really is. <laughs> mm-hmm. It it really really is. And I felt that last night. And so I want to thank everyone just really uh, for all of your support. And for your prayers, and want you to continue to reach out to Jonathan and let him know, reach out to Daily Ramirez. Let them know what you need. Now's not the time to put them on automatic pilot. Because the people who did not vote for them, the people who did not support them, the people who actively work against you now want to be their best friends. And that's the way politics works. Okay, so always, you, now always you, has, and probably always will. It's not going to stop. It's not yes, going to stop. Yes. So now you just understand you got to fight the power. So, who, Pastor Vicky Johnson? What's going <laughs> on today? I just, you know, I just when I think about that, that's what that's something that I think about all the time. So let's go. Yes. Well, good morning to you, Santita. Even though you have not been asleep yet. Good morning to you, and good morning to your morning stars. There is good news. What do people have to say about you? Hmm. In addition to serving as the pastor, my husband, Reverend Marion Johnson Sr., is also a funeral home chaplain who has had the privilege to hear plenty of what people have to say about their loved ones at their final services. At funerals and memorial services, all types of nice things are spoken about the decedent. Sometimes history is even rewritten to make them sound like saints, even when they really weren't. All of that is nice, and it makes those who are left behind feel good about those who are gone on. But what I want to know today is what do people have to say about you right now as you walk 
and live and breathe. Are there words, words of kindness, honesty, or truth? More importantly, beyond what others have to say about you, what do you have to say about yourself? Mm. How we live has an impact on what is said. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 31st through the 32nd verses says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. How you live not only impacts what others say about you, but also impacts what you say and think about yourself. Be kind. Be kind to the people you know. Be kind to the people you don't know. Be kind to yourself. If you will do this, and I believe that you will, then to me, that's good news. Amen to that. Be kind to yourself. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. The kinder you are to yourself, the kinder you are, chances are, you will be to others. That's right. <laughs> The more and unkind you are to could, if this message could get out to the political world today as mm-hmm. they are slandering each other and um, just so bitter and full of malice, if they could just learn to be kind. Because in the end, we all have to work together to get the victory for the you people. Know, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that is, that is... That is, that's really it. And that's why, you know, really, I get beyond parties. You know, I understand you need to, you know, look, the Democratic horse is the one I'm, or donkey I'm, is the one I'm riding on at this point. Mm-hmm. But my point is, I want to work with everybody to, to create a more perfect union. And that's it. That's just where I am. I know, look, well, you know, that, that's just it. I know God loves yeah. Republicans, Democrats, and, and some people I don't like and people with whom I <laughs> strenuously disagree. So I, let's, just, let's just figure this out, everybody, because we huh, came over here on different ships. We're in the same boat. America's mm, got to work for everybody. Right. Look, I didn't come up with that. Reverend did. It's got to work for everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's got to work for yes. everybody. How can we see you at St. Thomas Lutheran Church at 80th and Jeffrey on Sunday for that hour of power, 1145 to 1245? Well, on this Sunday, we will have one worship service, and that will be at 4 o'clock p.m. because we are honoring Royal Mickey Warren at 4 o'clock p.m. at St. Thomas Lutheran Church, 8000 South Jeffrey Boulevard. Uh, He is receiving the Community Service Award from St. Thomas as we celebrate our 58th year anniversary. And what better way to celebrate than to reach out to those in the community that make our jobs easier by doing what they do. Love Mickey. Royal Warren. Love him, love him, love him, love him, love him. Remember his last wedding 
when Reverend Evans looked at him and said, <laughs> I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be mad that I said that. But every we were in the Clay Evans Chapel, oh. of course. You remember that? And we were like, yes. <gasps> no, oh Reverend Evans didn't do this just as he was about to <laughs> marry yes. This is it. And then Reverend reached into that back pocket and he said, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, but Mickey is an absolute jewel, an absolute jewel, and we just thank God for him. Um, traveled with the Rolling Stones, such a faithful. He was our, the first musician my father had when he started the Breadbasket meetings. Um, yeah. He's been it really it was a it was a war resistor. Uh, just as so much, he's he's got so much history, and he's just a wonderful human being and a brilliant musician. And. Um, yeah. We thank God for him. And what time is it that again so we can honor him on Sunday? It's at 4 o'clock p.m., 4 o'clock p.m. this Sunday, November 13th, at St. Thomas Lutheran Church. All right. Love you so much, Pastor Love Vicki you, Johnson, everybody, Vicki. 80th and Jeffrey, St. Thomas Lutheran Church, 1145 to 1245 on Sunday. I'm so sorry that I had... Dr. Shanina Knighton holding on today, <laughs> the infection preventionist. But, you know, it's it's been a long night. Dr. Knighton, I'm, you're going to wrap me on my knuckles. I have not been to bed, but I think you'll be. My brother won uh, this congressional seat last night, and so did Dahlia Ramirez. So two people I know and, and, and really admire and love won these seats, and it was just um, it was a long night. <laughs> and a long day, but it was a great one, a great one. You know, but as we usher in this new Congress, as we bring in new blood into the into the Congress, what do you want as an infection preventionist, as someone who's in the health care space? I've got about three minutes. So, what do you want so, this new Congress to do about health care? So for one, I'm going to speak specifically for my profession, Santita. A lot of people don't know this, but remember how before you used to say, I've never heard of an infection preventionist. Yes. So an infection preventionist, believe it or not, is really embedded and hidden in the healthcare systems. We're hidden behind closed doors, which means that because we are a value-based profession, meaning we will bring value to an organization and save them money, it's just like somebody that is taking, let's say, um, preventative medicine or vitamins in order for them to be better. You don't notice that you're being better by taking the vitamins. You only notice when things aren't going so well. So that's how I describe the profession of an infection preventionist. With that being said, Santita, just as you know, there's about 16,000 that are housed, you know, and when I say housed, members of the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology, where there is an additional about maybe another sixteen to 17,000 that are not members. So we're still talking about a total of 35,000 infection preventionists in the world, which, as you can imagine, has grown since the start of the pandemic. Well, the thing is, if we could use our... Um, our, we can use our political leader support in pushing forward our profession and helping them to understand our value that we have. And so when we look at such things as modernizing infection prevention and staffing, that they understand that we do so much and are more than just um, a ratio of one infection preventionist per 100 beds. 
Meaning, believe it or not, we are in ambulatory care settings. When there are outbreaks at, you know, residential homes, when there are outbreaks at nursing homes, when there are outbreaks at community homes, when you have ambulatory surgery centers, when you have the advanced urgent care centers. So we have expanded our role beyond just a hospital setting, but the numbers don't reflect that. Everyone leans on us meaning that it, it is nursing that is in need of infection prevention and control practices, construction. I can name so many different things that we do. And so when I think about what our political leaders can do, it is to absolutely give us a voice to be able to elevate our practice, to make sure that we are heard, to make sure that we are seen, and make sure that we are supported. And so I say that because just as you mentioned, I have not heard infection prevention and control explained in this way before. Mm -hmm. There is more than one of me, but not enough of us to go around Mm -hmm. to have those same exact practices that can keep the public safe. But yet we don't have the resources to support us. And we have to validate and continue to make a case of our value in healthcare, even though it is felt we are not seen. Well, amen to that. You know, I want to thank you for that. And, you know, now that I'm just a little closer to Congress, you know, we should really push to get you to, uh, we need to get you to testify before Congress and to talk about what you do and to talk about what you need, because that is really key. Just knowing what you do uh, will help us to understand that you need to be part of the conversation, too. Indeed, Dr. Shanina Knighton. Hey, Dr. Nina. Hey, Dr. Nina. That is her handle on social media. Follow her. Follow her. And, you know, reach out to these media outlets and say that you want to see her there, too, because we need her. Let's talk about the midterms, everybody. I've got these phone calls, and I promise you I'm coming to you on the other side of the break on the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Going to get to the callers in just a minute on the Santita Jackson Show, 773-763-WCPT. Anita and Pam going to hear from you in a hot second. But first, Shapiro, what's going on? I'm ready for my holiday vittles. Santita, and we are ready to cook for you, too. And we can't (laughs) wait to get everything to you. So right now, Celebrations by Us is taking some orders for Thanksgiving, so don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We're taking orders for your mashed potatoes, your collard greens, your mac and cheese, your string beans, as well as also your turkey, your ham, Cornish hands, whatever it is you need for your holiday table, don't hesitate to call us. We're also doing desserts, which are our sweet potato pie, our peach cobbler, our banana pudding, our our cookies, our German chocolate cake, whatever it is that you need to help uh, satisfy your holiday needs, don't call us. Don't hesitate to call us at 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. All right. Blessings to you. Blessings to you, everybody. Let's I want to to hear from you before I go to my panel. 
Let me go to Pam. Pam, what's on your mind today? Good morning, uh, Santita, and to the panel. Uh, I guess first my mouth is watering after hearing Shapiro. So let me compose myself. (laughs) And I'm going to have to do something with Shapiro real soon. Uh, So, okay. I promise you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm serious. Um, Because she rattled off of my favorites. Okay, so Santita first. Yes, yes. Let me say, uh, I am so happy about Jonathan Jackson, Representative Jonathan Jackson. And um, I'm happy because I know his background. I know the values, um, at least that I've seen and that have been demonstrated from family. And I believe that he is a businessman with a heart for the people. And I hope that he can transfer some of that to some of the other representatives. And I heard a little bit of his um, uh, response in the interview after the victory. And he said he's very much interested in health care, making sure uh, access is available to all people. And and then he also talked about, uh, I think, Medicare, I heard him mention. Mm-hmm. So we know that he uh, has a um, a heart for the people. And I believe that because I hear a lot of business people want to spout it, but they haven't demonstrated. So I'm excited about that for us and for the 1st Congressional District. Now, just to move on, uh, uh, yes, yes, um, Val Demings, I was disappointed uh, in her loss, but I guess that might have been an uphill battle. Uh, Charlie Chris, uh, nothing changed in Florida. Uh, DeSantis, I think, is a disaster. So I'd be interested in not only the um, black vote turnout and others, but just but all populations there. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to Illinois, I'm glad that the state remained blue. I'm happy that Pritzker won. Now, he needs to be pushed on some issues, and we need to make him do what he needs to do for the black community. But I had no problem with his, uh, I guess, victory speech. Because I think he pointed out some clear differences and what we need to do and move forward. But we need to push him. So my question to you in the panel, Atlanta, uh, where are we with that turnout? And did uh, Stacey Abrams, are we still, did she concede or? Yes, she did concede. She did concede. She did. She did concede. Okay, that that disappoints me. So with uh, and where where are we looking? Well, there was no path. There was no path to victory for her. So she understood Uh, that she needed to concede. Um, But you know, she put she put she put forth a heck of a heck of an one heck of an effort. And I think that is what is important. Um, Do they still have voter purging and voter suppression in um, in Georgia? Absolutely, and it's something that you still have to fight. And, you know, look, she should keep on running until she wins. That's what Gus Savage did. Then he finally became congressman. You know, so I'm just like, just keep on running. Make the point. And then my last question to you in the panel. So with so many races being uh, so close, and you talked about a more perfect union. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, Santita, that means, and I read that book by your your other sibling, So, yes, um, (laughs) you do, and and we're thankful. Uh, I'm just wondering, a more perfect union, I think that means different things to different people. 
as we're now looking mm-hmm. at what's going on in this country. So I'm with you. I want a more perfect union, but I guess we need to probably define that mm-hmm. uh, so we know exactly what we're talking about. But I'll hang up and listen, but um, we've got to keep pushing. We've got to make this country what we want it to be. And I'm about, uh, Santita, with kindness, not only extending kindness, but asking people don't accept kindnesses or a person's kindness as a weakness, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because too many of us see kindness as weakness, and we need to just dispel that right away. So thank you for letting me have my I, of course, Pam. But if you see kindness as weakness, then you see God as weakness. And we all know that mm. that is not true. Love that's is right. weakness. No, no, no. That's God is love. God is kindness. God mm. is mercy. God is justice. That's not weak. It is weak to be cruel. Exactly. It is weak to break exactly. someone and not make someone. That's weak. Exactly. So we have to change exactly. our perception of what is mm. important. Before I go to Anita, let me bring on this wonderful panel. Love you, Pam. Thank you so much. And, you know, like I said, continue to reach out to Jonathan so you can give him give him your support and let him know what you need from him. Because the people who opposed him yesterday, we could not get many people to hand out bills with his name on them. You know, the little cards. Uh, they were there last night, but that's all right. That having been said, you have corporate types uh, who now want to be his best friend because he's in Congress. He can help. So what we have to do is lobby for ourselves, too. You understand what I mean? We have to... We have to understand that that is how this works. I'm sending you so much love, Pam. Um, and, of course, we've got Attorney Daryl Jones, Transformative Justice Coalition Chair. Attorney Erin Connolly, who's got on her shades this morning because she's got dark circles just like I do. Bishop T. Lane Grant, Acting National Director of Rainbow Push. Whew. So why don't you tell us what you thought about last night, Attorney Erin Connolly, because you brought... Uh, your candidate, and of course, to be fair, Jonathan is your candidate too, but you have been working with uh, with State Representative Dalia Ramirez, who is now the uh, Congresswoman-elect, and I just want to thank you for um, for really making her part of this show. Really, really, really. We really, really have appreciated speaking with her. Um, but talk to me. What do you think about yesterday? And, you know, all the members of the squad cruised to victory. AOC, Cory Bush, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Jamal Bowman. I mean, just they just they just won handily in their districts, even though they are being opposed by big right wing money. Aaron. And where was the coverage of those big wins for those progressives and those progressive values? Right. I think um, well, we can talk about that later, but just want me to throw that out there in the corporate cable media were not seeing the the hype around that. And there should be some. And we saw places like Florida where we're running more moderate candidates that we're not investing in. Uh, we can't get across the finish line. But here in Illinois, I was it was an honor, as it always is, to be with Delia Ramirez, um, as I have been the last five years on Election Day, and watch her vote with her mom for herself to be the first Latina congresswoman from the Midwest. It was a wonderful day. We made many stops at poll locations, as I'm sure Jonathan did as well, and talked to voters who were excited, who were excited by Delia's record, who knew her, who, um, you know, we met a lot of dogs. Um, it, it, it was just a beautiful election day here in Illinois, and we saw the progressive power. We saw some big wins 
on the congressional side holding those seats that had gone into a potential, um, uh, you know, toss-up category at the last minute. So, um, but we still have some disappointments and some things to watch. I was so excited, um, which is why I have dark circles, to see uh, John Fetterman <laughs> win very, very late last night. Um, it was great to knock on doors in Allegheny County, where my whole family is from, outside of Pittsburgh, and see Allegheny County show up for former Braddock, Pennsylvania Mayor John Fetterman, who will now go to the Senate with his amazing wife, Giselle Fetterman, who's a just brilliant community organizer and advocate uh, and has really lived those progressive values in the Mon Valley. So that was super exciting for me. Bless your heart. Bishop T. Lane Grant, what do you make of yesterday? Well, that's nice. The big red wave did not happen all across the country. And, of course, we had these big, big races here. We're about to send the first Latina from the Midwest to the U.S. House of Representatives. We're extending the civil rights legacy and sending that back to the U.S. House of Representatives. Interestingly, they talked about Mr. Laxalt uh, going to Congress, but they don't want to touch the civil rights movement going to Congress. But that's all right. We're going anyway. What's on your mind today, Bishop Grant? Wade never made it to the shore. And part of our, our victory is, of course, sending Jonathan Jackson to the United States Congress. Last night was uh, an, an example of civics in action. You had, uh, you know, had the, the idea of, of money mobilization and marginalizing a certain segment of the American public that they actually turned into a movement. And, you know, when we look at uh, when we look at Fetterman in Pennsylvania, we look at uh, we look at uh, um, the uh, races here in, in Illinois. Uh, we look at the tightness in Georgia. Looks like Georgia is going to go into a runoff. I mean, there are a lot of high points uh, across the country that give us a sense of what the next should be. We never, ever win a game at halftime. I'd rather have 50% of something and zero of nothing. We've got a lot of work ahead of us, uh, and we've got to really look at these numbers and, and look at the opportunities and really identify um, those key areas where turnout uh, and turnover, because there were a lot of uh, close races. Indiana was a close race where they spent millions of dollars uh, on, a, on a candidate that was not from that area. Uh, and yet and still, we learned what we learned from your father, is trees grow not top down, but bottom up. Mm-hmm. Amen to that, Bishop T. Lane Grant. And, of course, Attorney Daryl Jones, what did you see with the voting? Uh, and um, and what did you make of what happened yesterday? This big red wave that was that everyone predicted was coming, it did not happen. I mean, and... I think that the the, esti- the guesstimates are that the Democrats are going to lose control of the House just ever so slightly, not by a huge margin, but by just a few seats, which is going to be very interesting because it'll be interesting to see how Marjorie Taylor Greene and that extreme right wing is able to push uh, soon-to-be Speaker McCarthy. That's going to be fascinating to watch. But what? let's start with what you saw on the ground with the vote. In 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 Georgia. Well, you know, Santita. Uh, good morning, and certainly congratulations uh, to Jonathan on just you know just a wonderful wonderful victory. And I yes, tell and you, he'll be with us the, very shortly, so we'll all hear from him. Awesome, fantastic. 
Well, you know, let me start by saying one of the things that I have continually said is that I have been voting for years in election, and I am yet to be in a polling booth and look to either side of me and see a poll voting. It just doesn't happen. So, you know, with that being, <laughs> with that being, with that being said, you know, one of the things that we saw out of Georgia and across the nation uh, is, is that, you know, young folks showed up. Those are the people that they, they, that they just don't count in these polls because they don't know how they're going to show up. We have, you know, African-Americans that showed up. And one of the things that they, they just, you know, in 2020 it happened, and they and shown it here uh, again in 2022. And that is that you, know, you can't really uh, get a poll on new voters. You can't get a poll on people that were not historically voting. They didn't come out and vote. And, and you know, what Georgia has shown, what many of the states have shown, is that the polling system – They've got to change. Now, some polls in some places, you know, they seem fairly accurate. Right? Uh, uh, in, in Wisconsin, it looks somewhat close, but that's even much closer than they anticipate right now because they can't call it. And again, mm-hmm. that's another situation where it was black voters and young voters that were showing up you know, outside what their, expect, uh, their expected numbers. So you, know, you really cannot rely on these polls. You know, kudos to all the young voters, kudos to all the African-American and the voters of color, because they have shown up. They answered the bell. And when everyone, many of the uh, prognosticators were predicting uh, that they weren't going to show up, that it wasn't going to happen, that there was going to be, you know, this wave of blah, 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 they said, nope, nope, this is democracy. We have a vote and we're showing up. So I think what we saw was uh, was that voting shown up in the, uh, the, the push to have the reimagining of how polls should be done in our country. Mm. Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let us know what your thoughts are. We're going to have Congress, Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson on with us in just a few minutes. Uh, and we'll see who else we get today. But I want to hear from you, 773-763-WCPT. Anita from North Carolina. What's on your mind, Anita? Good morning. How Good morning. And wonderful nonviolent victory in the day of Putin and insurrection. This is not more necessary, Martin Luther King. I thank you for all your sacrifices, and I thank your family for carrying that tradition on. You just don't know how important it is right now to the history of man. I mean, globally, we're all trying to get along with each other, and we have to. Because we're going to not be here if we don't figure out something soon. And I heard about Brittany Griner. What's her last name? I don't know her last name. Mm-hmm. Griner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her situation didn't. is getting worse. And I still think Reverend Jackson needs to deal with that and the issue of the nuclear wars and disagreeing with the American people, you know, is difficult. But we can make it progressive. And I'm so grateful that... I think you said your brother's going to come on, Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr. But I, mm. I thank him for all his sacrifices that he made. I'm so sorry that he was politically assassinated, and it's because he's so great and he's so wonderful. And I'm so grateful. He told me something when he first got it. He first got in the office, and it ended up working out for me. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so loyal to him for that. 
and I would like to work with him about, you know, keeping the things in place that he knew needed to be in place, including that airport expanding, and I'd like to see a Michael Jackson Museum so that we could uh, get some commerce going on in that south south suburban area and south side of Chicago. So, And they're doing that here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, uh, they expanded the uh, airport, and they're developing, like, wildfire here. So if he could ever come and visit this area and see how it's changed in just a few years, Mm-hmm. You know, his his thoughts about the airport and making that happen for the people on that south side and bringing some revenue in was just magnificent. And I know that's why he got kicked out, because well, he was doing it. He was making it happen. And I hope Jonathan can carry on the tradition. Well, you know, pray for Jonathan. Now he's going in. And now Delia Ramirez is going in. Now the squad, they have the... Uh, the support of their communities because they won overwhelmingly, even as dark money tries to take them out. It's just, it's it's a blessing. You know, things are changing in America. We've got the first Generation Z member of Congress, Maxwell Frost, who said, you know, he takes his inspiration from Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Reverend Jesse Jackson. So, you know, just... Just keep, let's just keep on pushing. And Miss Anita from North Carolina, you know, I'm sending you much, much love. You know what, in fact, why don't you hold on? Because we're going to bring on uh, Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson in just a few minutes. And you say so many wonderful things about him. I want you to at least be able to say hello to him, okay? <laughs> okay. I saw him and, and push the first time when they were fighting the guy with the commander that was putting the electrodes on the black men. Man, it was oh, yeah, John Burge. That was, that was the first time I heard about Jonathan. I said, Lord, he was nowhere around, but I felt that presence around that push office when I was <laughs> stepping up for the first time. Yeah, he, he's fierce. Well, you know, stay right there so you can say hello to him. Um, but okay. before you go, Bishop Grant, uh, talk to me. What do you think? We Do you think that this is like a this is giving us a hint of what's going to happen in 2024? Because it seems like 2024 has begun. I think Donald Trump is going to be announcing next week that he's going to run for the presidency. And then we in all likelihood won't know what's going to happen in the Georgia Senate race because it does not look like, according to the secretary of state and the trends that they see, that um Either Senator Warnock or, well, should I say neither Senator Warnock nor uh, Mr. Walker will get 50 plus 1 percent, 50 percent plus one vote. So what do you what do you make of this time? It just seems, you know, like we're on pins and needles here. Well, the the, the, the wave, simply put, was a ripple uh, and the narrow margins uh, of the midterms are going to bode well for us when you talk about the squad and other progressives who won on last night. This was the most expensive midterm that produced no expansion. Mm-hmm. When you look at someone like Federman in Pennsylvania, he's proven that if you keep the fight, you can win the fight. And so I think several things have to happen. We have to really look at, Daryl, uh, the impact that movement has uh, over money and the momentum that we need. Georgia is a perfect template of what can happen around the country. When you take out that third candidate in Georgia, I suspect you're going to have a one-on win. Uh, and it shows that uh, you've got to go the distance. And it, it is yet to be seen. Warnock has done it before. He's gone the distance. 
So if I was a wagering person, I put I put all I put it all in one optical the distance. And it's the real value of this election season right now. Uh, we've got to, we've got to understand in 12, 14, 16 months, we're going to be right in the thick of uh, the Supreme Court issues, legislative issues, economic issues. Uh, and there's no better time for us to collaborate uh, and, and really organize and mobilize for a big, big season for some big, big wins. Mm. Everybody call us at 773-763-9278 because... Bishop, we can win. We can win. But you can only win if you register to vote and and vote. Reverend Jackson said there's a freedom trainer coming, but you got to register to ride. I think you heard that before, and I think you heard that, um, <laughs> Attorney Jones and Attorney Connolly. you got to get registered. you got to get involved. And so many Americans have been involved in this election. And we're still involved because we're still counting votes, and we will be for... For, for a few more days. And so, and I'm with that. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278-773-763 WCPT. Want to hear your thoughts about this election. And um, I want to know what your experience was. Did you experience any intimidation? I've got less than a minute, Attorney Daryl Jones. I mean, is there anything that you saw that was, that was just, that, that just that did not that, that was illegal that was that violated the spirit of fair elections one minute uh, yeah absolutely uh Cynthia that one of the things mm. that uh we weren't uh, able to pick up we had a command center uh that we uh national command center that we did uh out of Milwaukee Wisconsin one of the things we were able to pick up was something that was happening in St. Paul Minnesota and in St. Paul Minnesota in this one particular jurisdiction this one particular polling place they actually had a uh, a pledge that they were requiring uh, uh Latino uh Latino Americans to read uh it was written uh, in order for them to vote. And, and the pledge, you know, was talking about, you know, they're, they're voting their conscience, they're voting, you know, it's just really odd thing that was only offered to Latino and required of the Latino voters to vote. And it was only offered in English. I mean, yeah, in English. So it, it ended up intimidating many of them because they were thinking that if they couldn't read it, they couldn't vote. And so, you know, it, it had the impact of certainly suppressing voters that were in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, in that particular precinct. We're now uh, putting that under investigation, and, and we've turned it over uh, to, uh, to Election Protection and some of the other folks to get involved in the investigation, and we're now looking at a lawsuit based on what they had going on there. This is something that they actually had written up in one of their policy manuals uh, in this particular polling place jurisdiction in this county and this jurisdiction. So, you know, we're going to be going more deeply into that and and find out what other practices are are there that were suppressing voters in that particular area. That, I believe, was one one of the most offensive things that we came across. We also came across another issue out of Ohio where uh, they had a a shortage of uh, uh, a lot of people and a shortage of of machines and things that were there. So they were asking husbands and wives to go together to be able to vote together. Is that legal? Uh, I've got about 10 seconds, literally. Not not legal, not legal at all, both of which are are violations uh, Hmm. of uh, of our rights to vote. Hold that thought. Back with more in just a minute. We can 
This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody. Happy, happy, happy Wednesday, November 9th, 2022, the day after the midterms. Boy, am I excited today. What a wonderful, wonderful uh, result we had. We did not have the red wave that had been predicted, so... Uh, the Republicans might overtake the U.S. House of Representatives, but just barely. So that changes the politics, the calculus of how business will be done. Very, very, uh, it's, it, it makes a big difference. It means that uh, Kevin McCarthy won't be able to be with the moderates. He's going to have to go with the Marjorie Taylor Greens. What's that going to be like? What is going to happen over the next couple of years? U.S. House of the U.S. Senate seems like the Democrats just might hold on. We will see after we get the results in Georgia and Wisconsin and Arizona and Nevada. We will see. And, of course, we've got as our special guest, Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson. I'm so excited uh, that he is with us this morning. So let me get to some of these headlines so we can get to him and to this wonderful panel, Dr. Bob Starks, Attorney Janice Mathis, Daryl Jones, and Attorney Aaron Connolly. In Chicago, we'll have a high of 68 degrees. Beautiful day. Partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 65 degrees. Thunderstorms in the NBA. The Suns will be playing the Timberwolves. And the Pelicans will be playing Chicago. In the NHL, the Kings shut out the Wild. One, two, nothing, everybody. Results are still coming in from the midterm elections. And while many key races have yet to be called, both parties are already celebrating historic victories. Voters across the country elected several breakthrough candidates. We've got our first woman governor of Massachusetts, who's also the first openly lesbian governor of Massachusetts. We got the first black uh, governor of Maryland and the first black attorney general, Wes Moore. What a night it was. What a night it was. How will that play out in our politics? Will it be a phenotypic change or a philosophical change? Hmm, we'll have to find out. More on the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, we are searching for financial freedom. Uh, and people are struggling in America. One in four Americans will not have Thanksgiving this year because they cannot afford it. They don't have $100 to get a turkey, to get the fixings, none of that. And so people really need help. People are living on their credit cards. They're running up extraordinary credit card debts. They don't think that they can hold on to their homes because their money is funny. Uh, if they don't even think about purchasing homes because they've got student loans. They need to refinance their existing homes so they can stay in them. There's so much going on. They need to get loans. They've been turned down. If you call Team Hochberg, they can work things out for you. Are you using that debit card? Well, you shouldn't be. You need to get a credit card, but you need to get a plan. You need to get a plan. If you have a credit card and extraordinary debt, you need to get a plan so that you can Get out from underneath that debt. But do not negotiate with this credit card company yourself. Get Team Hochberg to do it. They're experts at it, and they will be respected by the credit card companies as they seek justice for you. Tom and Sonia did did that. They have two children. They struggled to pay their mortgage, and they had $100,000 worth of debt on 17 credit cards. It can happen to anyone, everybody, if you're charging your food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they reached out to Team Hockberg. They got a free consultation. That's the first thing that's going to happen for you. Tell them everything. Tell them everything. And then they came back to Tom and Sonia with a plan. They were able to get them an FHA loan, and they lowered their credit card debt. 
and they're eliminating it and lowered their payments by $2,800 a month. Does that sound familiar? It could be you. So call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or go to 56david.com, 56david.com, so that you can get out from under the debt, everybody. You don't deserve that. It doesn't have to be. I'm Santita Jackson telling you to reach out to Team Hochberg. Well, uh, Dr. Bob Starks, preeminent political scientist, uh, the executive director of the National Council of Negro Women, the preeminent black women's organization in the United States of America, attorney Erin Connolly, brilliant political strategist and organizer, and the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, have snuck in a little surprise on you this morning. We got Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson. Now, they were talking about all of these other uh, people who were representing these political and social traditions. You've got Mr. Laxalt, whose father has been prominent in American politics. And um, you've had the Bushes. You've had the Kennedys. But you know what's interesting? Last night they did not mention Jonathan Jackson, not at all, carrying forth this civil rights tradition. They did not mention Dahlia Ramirez at all. First Latina from the Midwest elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. But we're so excited that she, that he is here with us today. And so are you, because so many of you are tuning in because you want to hear from him this morning. Welcome to the show, my dear brother. And I do mean that by blood and, and spirit. I love you so much this morning. I cannot even hide it. I love you, Jonathan. Congratulations. I love you, my sister, Santita. And I was listening to your radio program. And this is the first radio program I am doing since the election results. So I am honored to be on WCPT, um, my source for news and information. Love you, girl. I love, I love you, Jonathan. I love you. So talk to me. What about what does this victory mean to you? And what do you mean to do when you go into Washington? Well, I want to first say thank you to all the voters, supporters, volunteers, donors, and uh, the WCPT family. I'm excited that um, I didn't see a red wave coming, and true enough, it didn't. Um, Our fears are trying to be stoked. It was a very nasty campaign season um, from imagery and language and commercials and ads. It hit another record spending level. They uh, put the face of crime and on the pictures of African-Americans, the imagery from Wisconsin, across the country. We've seen these tactics before, and I just had it in my heart, my belief that there were more good people than bad people out here and that um, people were not to be gullible and made a fool out of. And true enough, um, we've got to destroy some more ignorance, but by all means, um, that the good people stood up. Now there are a lot of uh, election rules that we have to be very much concerned about. Janice Mathis, Attorney Janice Mathis, whom I admire and adore, she understands this better than anyone, that the issue now is not just securing the right to vote, but who gets to count the vote. This is the challenge that we're facing now, and we're going to um, be confronted with over the next couple of days. So same-day voting is counted first, early voting is counted second, mail-in voting is counted third. So the longer that the obstructionists can delay the count of vote, intimidate voters, intimidate workers going to the polls to count the votes that have now been assembled and accumulated, then this is where the, where the strife begins. So let's be vigilant. Uh, there should be federal protection around these polling sites. 
where the votes are now being accounted for, and we need to strengthen voting laws into the future. Amen to that. Amen to that. You were you laid out a whole lot of issues last night that you want to touch upon, like um, contract compliance. Uh, many of us don't realize that, please, Boeing is really a subcon- subcontractor, subcontractor of the United States government. They get so much of their money from the government. And, you know, we could get, you know, I think small businesses could get those contracts, too, if we knew about the process, Jonathan. I mean, there's a lot of money out here, but it just doesn't get down to the people. Well, Santita, one thing I saw is Walmart is fantastic in distribution and supplying um, items from different sources around the world. And they were trying to go into India with this technology of distribution. And what was ended, uh, what was agreed upon is that Walmart could come into India, but they could not do retail. They could come in with their expertise and their capital and do wholesale. So as a result, they set up a wholesale network, and they were able to bring in lower-priced goods, quality goods, and small retailers were then able to get those goods at a better price and pass them on to the consumer, to the consumer and it expanded the retail sector across the, the country of India. So India is very conscious on making certain businesses smaller to help the neighborhoods grow. And it's been wildly successful. So the grocery industry started flourishing. It didn't shut down the mom and pop shops. And so I think when we talk about these big box outlets, you see it in the Northeast where they have a lot of big box ordinances. I wouldn't say go that far, but, uh, they're very conscious of keeping their bed and breakfasts open, and we need to have more incentives in our financial structure to grow small businesses. Everyone talks about it. Everyone knows they have a source of the job you growth, know. but they don't put the incentives behind it to make sure small businesses are sustainable and can grow. Well, why did they not do that? I mean, the big box stores, they, the big stores, the big corporations survived the pandemic. But so many mom and pop and just independent businesses were flushed down the tubes. Well, if you look at it from the point of government, they want to collect the revenue and and make it as simple and easy on their part. So if you deal with one big box retail chain that's, let's say, doing $40 million a year in revenue, and you're going to get 2% off of it, $800,000, you know their accounting and systems and everything are in place versus dealing with 100 smaller mom-and-pop shops and their books and records may have some challenges and their capitalization may not be that clear. You know, how many of, it would, how many of them would it take to accumulate $40 million in sales and the government being able to get their revenue? So they prefer to deal with a more sophisticated big-box retailer, but we need to change that around. Help those smaller retailers. It's more work, but it's worth it to all of us You know, we're talking with Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson from the 1st Congressional District of Illinois. Indeed, it is a seat that is the longest-held seat by an African-American in the history of the Republic. And um, from Oscar DePriest to him now. And, of course, you had the passing of the torch, if you will, this unbreakable, beautiful sculpture that Congressman Bobby Rush, affectionately known to us as Uncle Bobby, the man who who surrendered 
uh, he well, actually sought refuge in our home when we were when we were babies, Jonathan. When the FBI were looking for him in the immediate aftermath of the killing of Mark Clark and and uh, and Fred Hampton, we just we love him so much. You know what? I just want to do before you go around, Robin, with this wonderful panel, uh, so they can, I guess, it's not meet the press, but you know. Just ask him a question or just share with him your thoughts about what we need from this new Congress. Dr. Starks? Yeah, well, first of all, congratulations on the win, uh, Congressman Jackson. Uh, My question to you is, uh, what uh, committees would you prefer to be on once you get to, to the Congress? (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Notice I said prefer, not absolute. Okay. <laughs> so um, I didn't know that the congressperson, we have to start raising money for the party, for the DCCC and other things. So I'm learning some of the inner workings. So if you want to try to get on a committee where you can help raise money for the party. Senior leadership about it. They're like, uh, pick something else, Junior. Like you can't. <laughs> like a freshman, I said, you ask. So like, you know, wish upon a star. No, so I really would at this time like to look at. Um, it'd be a long shot. Energy and commerce. Energy and commerce is so vast, uh, from mm-hmm. power lines to oil to of energy to solar and wind farming and communications. I had no idea that energy and commerce was so broad. Congressman Bobby Rush was on that committee. Mm-hmm. Robin Kelly is on that committee. So, if that's possible. Um, second would probably be financial services. I would love to work with Congresswoman Maxine Waters, a dear friend. My first congressional endorsement supporter. Mm-hmm. I understand financial institutions and markets well, so that would be a, a natural. Uh, people wouldn't have to explain things to me. I can share with them insights on what needs to be fixed and how we can fix it. I've been on the other side. And then probably the third thing, if I can, be foreign affairs. Um, mm-hmm. The economy is so intertwined with the international that um, I am concerned about climate change and war. You're going to start looking at regions of the world that are uninhabitable. So you're going to start moving population to other uh, countries. I actually think about Poland a lot. I was there maybe three years ago, and to think that three million uh, people—I don't necessarily use the term refugees—but but now three people, three million people are now refugees from Ukraine that have moved into uh, Polish citizens' homes. That how sustainable is that? And I can only think of a bad guest staying in my house for like a long weekend, you know. But, <laughs> but they're very, but they're very loving people, and they didn't need to build hotels. The Polish people opened their doors and let their their neighboring brothers and sisters in. It's quite a remarkable story that I would like to see um, further explore. But they just absorbed three million people overnight because they took them into their homes. So uh, that's just phenomenal. So. But I do know that's not sustainable in the long term. And they put them into the school systems and everything good and great. So I'd like to confront those issues. Well, all three of those fit your background uh, and your your uh, 
learning in, in, at the university. So it would be great if you could be on those three committees. Absolutely. It would be. Thank you, Janice Dr. Mathis. Dr. Stark. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, well, of course I would give it to him. Janice Mathis, Attorney Mathis. Well, that first question is the one that I would ask. But first, I just want to say congratulations. And all the people of Chicago are so fortunate to have you as their representative. I had to think of another question, and I thought about, would you be in favor of flying in young people from Chicago, from your district, to serve as pages so that they can see how democracy is supposed to work? Have them go where? I didn't hear it. To bring them on as pages? I thought, that they, I thought they ended that system, ended that program in the U.S. House of Representatives. Well, because of, you know, the bad behavior of these other congressmen. Yeah, they don't know how to behave. Mm-mm. But um, what do you think that this election says generally about the importance of the ground game and having people who know neighborhoods be directly in contact with voters? <laughs> That's a loaded question, Janet. <laughs> you know, no, so, so to the... Uh, to the, to the listening audience, <laughs> Attorney Mathis is an expert at this, and she knows very well that um, uh, there are records amounts of money that are being spent. Um, our governor here, um, Governor Pritzker, in his first term, he spent $171 million to, uh, for his initial election for his first year, first term. Um, for the Senate race in South Carolina, the chair of the DNC, uh, Mr. Harrison spent, I believe, $114 million, Attorney Mathis. And, that sounds about right. And, so, and that's a state of 5 million people. And so you would think when it's time to run the next time for someone, there would be some statewide infrastructure left in place. And, in fact, it's not. You know, they're not um, – student chapters of organizations on campuses, the pipeline of interns and exposing our children and young students and young minds to um, the, uh, to the, to their colleagues of, in the Senate, in the House, and people who want to be politically, socially, civically engaged, they're not available. So I am very excited about, for example, Congressman Frost, uh, Maxwell Alejandro Frost out of uh, Orlando, that he's the first person in Congress, Congress from Generation Z. So that's a huge body of people. The median age in the Congress now is 58 years of age. So it's going to be a young man near 25 years of age and very profound. He says his generation is not living beyond their means. They don't have the means to live. Mm-hmm. So, he's talking about climate change, something I'm very concerned about. He's talking about gun violence. And so, mm-hmm. his voice is going to be refreshing coming in there. So, yes, we do need to align the money to the grassroots, to, uh, if I enjoyed what Howard, with uh, what DNC Chairman Howard Dean had done under his tenure, he had a 50 state strategy. Mm-hmm. Remember him flipping two. Seats in Louisiana. Louisiana is the second blackest state in the country, and it had one congressperson with better than 40% blacks in the state. 
Congressman Cleo Fields was the second African-American to go to the Congress from Louisiana since Reconstruction. When David Dukes challenged him, that reduced it to one congressperson, African-American in the state of Louisiana. Congressman Cleo Fields served, got into the Congress in 1992, 30 years ago, with Congressman Bobby Rush. And there's not been two black congresspeople in Louisiana in the last 30 years. And the state is now more African-American, not less. And our representation has not grown. So, to your point, absolutely, we've got to put the money to the grassroots people. Have to have a 50-state strategy and give these young people a chance like Maxwell Alejandro Frost. Mm. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Thank Jackson. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I mean, I knew we'd get some great information from him. Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson. Um, Well, if you can stay with us during the break, I'd love for uh, the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, Attorney Daryl Jones, to um, ask you a question. Then, of course, we have got Attorney Erin Connolly, who's been working so closely with your your friend and colleague, State Representative, now Congresswoman-elect Dahlia Ramirez. Both of you were endorsed by... Bernie Sanders. Wow, wow, wow. And then, of course, we're bringing up Attorney Terry O'Neill after the break. But, you know, just it's just, what a wonderful day it is. And I just have to tell you, it's a, just a moment of personal um, joy for me to call you Congressman-elect. Um, I've just, you're my baby brother, and I've seen you work so hard throughout your life. I've seen you overcome so much. And you've used every challenge in your life to become a better person, to be a kinder person, to become more compassionate. And I just couldn't Amen. be prouder to have Amen. you. Amen. I just couldn't be prouder to have you as a brother and more blessed <laughs> because I know in the most difficult times in my life, there's been no one closer to me. You are the true definition of a brother. And I love you with all of my heart. Stay right here for more of the Santita Jackson. I can hear it cheering. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. We have as our special guest, Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson from the 1st Congressional District of Illinois. Indeed, it is the longest-held seat by an African-American in the history of the Republic. We are joined by, of course, Attorney Aaron Connolly, brilliant political organizer, the executive director of the National Council of Negro Women, our oldest and most prestigious black women's advocacy organization in the United States. We've got Dr. Robert Starks, preeminent preeminent scholar and political scientist and, of course, uh, champion of our voting rights and um, voter protection. Of course, the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, Attorney Daryl Jones. Uh, Jonathan Jackson, well, you know, let me go to you, Aaron, and then to you, uh, Attorney Jones, because, of course, on the other side, uh, we had comments and questions. Attorney Aaron Connolly, comment a question for the congressman-elect? Well, first of all, congratulations to you, Congressman-elect Jackson. I'm so excited to see you go to Washington and 
live the values that we all heard you speak about at that amazing endorsement rally with Bernie Sanders this summer, right? Um, so I would love to know, what is your what is your plan and focus with regards to Medicare for All and bringing up the rest of the population to what the Democrats were able to secure for seniors with regards to funding prescription drugs in a way that allows folks to you know, have have their food and their prescription at the same time, which is really important. So, um, what is your what is your plan for healthcare? The big one. Well, I am aligned with uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, one hundred percent on Medicare for all. That it's imperative. I hear the stories every day. I was in a restaurant the other day, and a senior citizen. I call them special citizens if you have a head full of gray, and to her sister, daughter, and her daughter, says, Mr. Jackson, Mr. Jackson, I want you to meet my mother. Mother's older, 83. She was reluctant, didn't want to disturb me. And she says, no, well, we've got you. We want to talk with you. And they share their story, another story of, of someone that's worked for 37 years, that's uh, pensioned, who pays $700 a month in insurance and doesn't... Um, and the deductible is $6,000. And she says she goes to the doctor, stands on a weight on a scale, gets a telescope, and then the person asks them, how do you feel? <clears throat> oh, like, I feel the same way. I could have done this myself. That we, have a, we don't have enough doctors in these neighborhoods. We have insurance, but not enough doctors. There's no health care. Second part is she is splitting her medicine because she's on fixed income uh, with the cost of food and inflation. She didn't have enough money for food and her medicine, so she's taking half the dose, which is heartbreaking. So I am all in for Medicare for All. I want to get on the team, with, uh, stay on the team with, with Senator Sanders, take instructions. I'm not trying to lead it. I want to follow the path that he has blazed. And on the, uh, was there another part to that? On the prescription drugs? Yeah, the, <laughs> think about insulin. That patent has been expired. Mm. Why is insulin so high? We can, I'd like to tra- trace, uh, deal with some of this like a business issue. Let's put up the top 10 diseases and figure out which ones can be solved and knock one of them off the list in a time certain in the next three years, five years. Asthma can be cured immediately with some education and some inhalers. Like, why are people still dying? We had a dear friend, Mr. Steve Cobble, died four years mm. ago from mm-hmm. asthma. Like, it's painful. And that's something that can be rectified. Um, asthma inhalers in Saudi Arabia and Gulf states are free. <clears throat> and we're still charging $100 for a prescription. So I'm committed to health care for all and prescription drugs. Um, prices being reined in. We shouldn't. I support innovation. I do respect that. Um, pharmaceutical companies have to make money to invest and reinvest after their profits. But I'm also not for the price gouging and the uh, wholesale racketeering, if you will, of people paying. Mm. Attorney Daryl Jones. Yeah, uh, thank you. And, um, you know, Congressman-elect, uh, congratulations again. You know, we really look forward to, to seeing you uh, down here in D.C. And, you know, one of the things that uh, that I uh, wanted to ask you was that one of the things that we have uh, we were able to detect through our command center through this time in uh, election series was that in Dakota County, Minnesota, uh, that they were requiring 
people from primarily Latino backgrounds to take an oath uh, with regards to uh, before they allowed them to vote, that they were voting their conscience. And it sort of raised the, uh, the, the, the question with regards to the voter suppression, the legislation, the practices, and the protection of voting rights. Are there any strategies that you think that uh, could be implored to help uh, the voting rights hearings and the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act to get across the finish line? I don't have a strong opinion on that. I want to align with you and get up to speed. We're going to transition into these offices in the next two months. I'd like for you to take the lead. Show me. I trust you. You are true experts on this. I don't get in places and try and reinvent things. I want to follow your lead and support. You have the voice. You have the knowledge. I want to put you on the platform so I can exercise that vote. But you know, but and that's refreshing, I must say, because we need people who, you know, a president, the president of the United States or the president of a corporation, they don't pretend to know everything. And you know this better than I do, Jonathan, Congressman Jackson. Um, the, you know, the fact is you bring in people like Attorney Daryl Jones and Attorney Barbara Arnwine who are experts on voting rights and voter protection and voter suppression. You bring in a political organizer, a political expert, someone who is a real theoretician and a practitioner like Aaron, like attorney Aaron uh, Connolly, who is also a diabetic who struggles with, who works mightily not to have to ration her insulin. You you bring in uh, the leading advocate for for black women, uh, attorney Janice Mathis, to talk to us. You you bring in a political scientist to help us to understand where we are, not just, you know, in terms of data, but but in terms of history. Why is that important for you to to I mean to bring these people to the table? Because these are people who, who should be testifying before Congress, Congressman Jackson. And Tina, it's like when you become a teacher, and I've had the privilege of being a teacher, you're like, wow, somebody said this must be great. Uh, being able to teach in grade papers. I said, no. I said, how else can you learn if you don't sit in front of students? They'll teach you. So, mm. the, uh, you know, like you seek out, you seek out experts. And um, Daryl and, um, and Ms. Mathis have been so focused on the voting rights, and I need to get further up to speed. They've already had the ideas. This now supports the vote that we need to help with the platform that they've already built so we can stay in power. And it's something that I care about. So it's their seat. This isn't my seat. This is our seat. That's been a major part of my campaign. We won, not me. We. When I go to D.C., I've told our constituents, we're going to Washington. I'm not going to leave you behind. I could see the so many people's eyes. You know when people give you that handshake when they won't let you go and they're staring you in the eye, soul to soul. Mm. And so many people looked at me and says, don't forget us. Don't forget us. So I'm excited to bring their voices along with me. And also, since I would tell you that the, um, um, there's, I'm glad to approach the Congress at 56. I've had enough life experiences and paid tuitions and worked and had businesses, so this seems like the culmination of all my experiences come together, and now I know enough experts in these different bodies, and with you, Santita, to bring these people together, and also bring some congressional people 
onto your program so we can continue to inform our, our base here in Chicago and around the nation so we can have some progress. Some of this is going to be led by information and education. There's a lot of things we simply don't know that people think, oh, there was no voter suppression in Georgia. <laughs> Just because you went into the bank and couldn't rob it doesn't mean you shouldn't be, you should not be charged with the crime of attempted robbery. <laughs> no, they are attempting to rob votes in Georgia. And so that has to be highlighted. But people simply don't know that that's the case. Mm. You know, let me, would they, you mind? Brother uh, Warnock have, have overwhelmed the polls. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean there weren't attempts at voter suppression and that there isn't voter suppression. That's absolutely true. And you can't vote your way out of this. I mean, the, what Brian Kemp and the Secretary of State have done, they have codified voter suppression. And, you know, and they have also inspired voter intimidation. It's an awful, awful thing. Oh. And when we saw on, in Greg Palast's movie, Vigilante, that Georgia, the Georgia Territory, was a free territory. They did not allow slavery until Brian Kemp's family brought slaves, African African people, into the territory to be slaves. Oh, my gosh. Congressman Jackson, what? I mean, the irony of all of that. It's just, it's just, it's awful. I mean, and seeing, uh, seeing the, seeing the, the, uh, well, Stacey Abrams conceded last night when I know so many of her people have been purged from the rolls. It's just terrible. It's awful. <laughs> Something needs to be the irony and the irony and the consistency. Mm. Uh, uh, Santita, Santita, yes. can I ask the entire panel uh, this question? How do we go about making voting rights and the passage of the John Lewis Act a national campaign uh, to to push that bill? I mean, there seems to be no real national push for that. The president, uh, President Biden, has not put it on his priority list. He didn't talk about it. How do we go about making this a national uh, campaign? Hmm. Well, I mean, well, let me let me start with let me start with the congressman, Congressman elect Jackson. What pressure do you think people need to feel inside in order to make that bill move? Congressman. Hey, I think it's an outside question. Um, hmm. okay. to, to Dr. Stark's point, we've got to popularize this, that the yeah. White House can bring in artists and entertainers and, and influencers and Put it on people's minds right now. It's not top of mind. It's not in the top ten or top one hundred. That's exactly my point. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have a lot of struggles day to day on food and your medicine and transportation issues and looking for housing if your rent's going up. So this becomes something more of a leisure and a pastime for someone philosophically, although it's urgent. So we have to popularize it to let them know how it's all connected. They don't connect the the dire situations they're in with the priorities that we um, have have not advanced. Mm-hmm. And well, the attorneys, Janice, Attorney Janice Mathis. I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, the GOP. Show. 
strategy was all about crime and the economy. But yet the voters in many jurisdictions were able to sort through that. And by the time we got to election day, preservation of democracy was number one concern of, of most voters. I think that tells us that we have this It's not a fair election season or election quarter. But keep the pressure on the country people in the I spent most of the past month walking the streets of rural America, the actual voters or potential voters who don't understand fully the connection between their lives and their votes. And so I think for now, going forward, whether we, however, we have to pay for it, whatever we have to do to make that case, is to get out and talk to people one on one. All groups in trusted circles to help them fully realize what citizenship is. Of course, we can get rid of the filibuster rule, too. That would help. There's so much that needs to be done. You know, if you don't mind, let me go to Renee. Renee has called in. Renee, what's on your mind, sweetie? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I want to congratulate. Jonathan Jackson for his win. I feel good because it's rare that somebody that I contribute to their campaign that they actually win. So I feel so hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) I know the feeling. (laughs) We all share that feeling, believe me. (laughs) he, He was talking about Medicare for all. And I, I, you know, I, I want that to happen. But I'm also concerned about the food that we eat because food can be medicine too. And sometimes if we get the right foods that aren't, don't have all the additives and stuff, we can be healthier. And in this country, anything can be put on the shelves of our grocery stores. But if you go to some other countries, especially some European countries, they don't allow some of the, the same ingredients that we push. And I know there's a connection between the behavior of some some children and the foods they eat, all the dyes and the different additives that are put in, in those foods that they market to these children. So I, I want to know if he has any uh, thoughts on that, on regulating our foods. We have these corporations that have monopolies on foods. Um, on grocery stores, they just merged with uh, Kroger, merged with um, Albertsons. So we have fewer choices. We already have food deserts in our communities anyway. But uh, since they're merging these stores, I see the uh, some of the foods on the shelves um, don't seem to be the same quality. And this just happened. I'm, I, I shop at Amazon at Whole Foods a lot. And uh, after... Uh, Amazon, Bezos bought uh, Whole Foods. I saw the quality at the Whole Foods I shop at go down. So I'm concerned about food. I'm also concerned about human rights. Um, I think our country gives too much of our money to a country that is persecuting um, Palestinians and taking their land from them, literally taking their houses and bulldozing them. And I know our corporate media doesn't talk about it. Oh, they don't talk about it, period. <laughs> um, so I'm concerned about human rights violations and, and who we support with our money as a government. And um, 
that's that's some of what I'm I'm concerned about. And I'm just so happy, Jonathan, that you're going to be in Congress. And even though I'm not in your district, I know Congress and the Senate, you make laws and policies that affect us all. So I'm just happy. And I thank you for taking my call. And um, I hope I didn't ramble too much. But thank you. you. No, you didn't, Jonathan. She finally, she contributed to a campaign that actually won. (laughs) 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 No, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've had that same experience. I'm sitting here looking at these uh, these lottery tickets I bought the other day at $2 billion. I'm like, wow. (laughs) I got to give it a shot. So I'm going to look at that as a contribution. Oh, you got to know. He did that in memory of our grandmother, Gertrude. Who loved her lottery tickets? <laughs> Did she ever win? No. <laughs> no, but she was committed to two billion. That's the right number to to play. You know, I think you're like spot on. Uh, we've had two grocery stores to close in the district in the city, and the during the course of the campaign, uh, Whole Foods and Save a Lot uh, over there in a hard hit neighborhood that's Inglewood, a neighborhood that has the largest uh, disparity in life expectancy in the nation between Inglewood and Streeterville in the same city, 30 years difference. And you can attribute that to not just violence, but food and health, that you can see the pediatric obesity that is now growing. That can be traced directly to food. I had an apple this morning, and before I could get out of the car, it was already changing colors. And I started thinking about when I eat these Posters of apple pies, these things, the apples and ears stay the same color for years. You know, so clearly there's a lot of chemicals and additives in it. If you want to see the, if you want to see the European community uh, come out in mass uh, action and, and, the, and the Japanese community come out in mass action, wait till there's a trade agreement and they start trying to send some U.S. food products over there. Man, these people hit the streets and shut it down. You can't give us these chemical-infested animals. <laughs> you can take that off the tree. You eat that at home, but you cannot export that. And that's at the heart of it. So we have, uh, if the average American today weighed with the average American weight uh, 50 years ago, we would save a trillion dollars in health care costs because of mm. obesity. So mm. obesity is creating a lot of other chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear me talking about um, preventative things that we can do that just make mm-hmm. all the necessary sense. When we first started talking about healthcare reform, I was like, this is great. Um, and then when I started seeing the people that were going to the White House meetings, I said, oh, no. The people that were going to the White House meetings to deal with healthcare reform were the insurance companies. The people mm-hmm. that should have been at the table for healthcare reform were the food companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you reduce the bad food and supply good food to make it more accessible and affordable, then uh, people be healthier. And you can look at our food costs versus other countries. Some of the things we pay too much for, other things are subsidized a lot and aren't healthy at all. So it's a huge priority. Congressman ja- uh, Jackson, we have also have to make the FDA more accountable in this regard also. Uh, I don't know why they haven't really tackled that problem uh, in, in a more, you know, 
great way. I mean, they just sort of just more in, involved in in drugs than in in food regulation. Well, you know, I've got about two minutes left here because you, which which arcs me to where I, I really hope that the congressman will go when he comes when he goes to Washington when we go to Washington with him and bring back FDA officials and you know and mm-hmm. housing officials and health officials bring them bring them here so they cannot talk about us so they can talk to us and see how we live and what our needs are i know that he will take uh these officials to the communities uh so they can see just how we live i think that's very important congressman elect jackson the last two minutes belong to you what you know what? What do you want to do, and um, and how can we help you help us? Continue. I would ask that people please give me the opportunity to ramp up. I know we've got to hit the ground running. I got to move some furniture around the office. We got to staff up the office. I'm going to be calling upon you all to, as family members, to educate me. Let's set the priorities. Let's keep this discussion ongoing and let's move it towards action. For example, January 3rd is the swearing-in date. Appropriations going in March. There's a rhythm there that I have to learn about. I'm going to figure it out. Starting with orientation, I'll keep you posted. Now, I'm not going to make a commitment and say things that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And when I do understand and learn about it, I will explain it to you as best I can. And I'm humble enough to say I don't understand, I don't know, and I'm going to be listening. So I really do enjoy calling in and also enjoy, no, not calling in, listening in your radio program. That's all I would have to say on that at this time. Well, thank you. And thank you for being so, thank you for being open to us this morning. And thank you for being so encouraging as I started this show for all of your critique. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I admire you, and I wouldn't be here without you. And I've been the beneficiary of so much love, and I thank God for um, my mother and my father and the environment that they brought me in. And to be on this radio program now with the Dr. Starks, I mean, I've always listened to you. I mean, you ask me many questions. It, it throws me off. I've always listened to you. <laughs> I learned from you. It's like my teachers are asking me questions. What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, my God. You're like, wait a minute. It's so intimidating. It's like, wait a minute. I'm being quizzed by him. I feel like I'm for the committee defending my right, dissertation. I'm, I'm like, what is this? I'm looking around. You keep calling me congressman. I'm looking around for this congressman. I'm like, oh, no. I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you. We love you. We love, we love you. you. Well, you're <laughs> it. <laughs> and I do, wanna, it I and- do have an issue with the Food and Drug Administration. You're right. <laughs> Why is the why is food in the drug administration? Something about that is there. Like, you go, there you go. Sometimes, sometimes I think that. I, hey, Doctor Stark. Sometimes I think I drink water and gain weight. Every time I try to stop gaining weight, seems like I put on weight. I don't know what's wrong. Same here. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Water and gain weight, man. 